<laughs> There's an anointing on this microphone. It's got oil on it. Did you put oil on this, Les? I'm serious. Sandra, did you do this? It's a miracle. Okay. Um, if you would turn in your Bible to the book of Romans chapter 8. We're back in Romans 8. And uh, I want to preface this message by um, giving you kind of a backdrop as to how it came. Uh, yesterday in prayer here, <clears throat> I felt such a, a presence, an active presence of the Lord in this house. And <clears throat> it became <clears throat> curiouser as the moments went by because, you know, you're grateful for all the things that God does, but um, you, can, you can discern at times the differences between the way he's moving. And so yesterday, you, I could tell that he was really intent on this house. And the more, the more um, I prayed and was walking around, I could sense that he was very intent on me paying attention to what he was doing in this house. And, um, and, and by that I mean he was doing it for a reason. And as I was praying in the Spirit, and just walking about, but basically over there along the, the Zion wall, <clears throat> God began to remind me of a lot of the things that he had said about this house and things that have been prophesied, things that were vision, <clears throat> and particularly one that was lasting for 20, 25 minutes <clears throat> was about the promise about healing in this house to where it was going to be not just here, but in places where we have saints' meetings, that people would just begin to be healed in the midst of the congregation. And, and you know, it wouldn't be because I'm given a word of knowledge or because I've come upon some secret formula or because we're laying hands on people. We believe in all of those things. But, but it would just be something that would be part of the histemi, part of the, the terio, which we know is ours because of the cross. Um, but it would also be a, a sign for the message that we're bringing from him. And so that went on and on. And I, I, I was remembering different things over the years. The, the Lord would bring to memory things that, that were seen, like the, the great cloud that comes out of that corner and just permeates, just floods down. And, and then the way it would move like a river starting back there and then around and then culminating here and then going out. And so uh, as, as I was praying and those things and others were being remembered, I'm very grateful that we have uh, a prophetic directive to come and pray on Wednesday because I believe that is, a, that is a point of partnership we have to enjoin with the Lord. You have not because you ask not. God knocks at the door, 
and we have to open it. And um, so as before I laid back down and was continuing to pray in the Spirit, I felt the Lord say that this is something in this place that he created at the foundation of the world, that he predestined this place to have that characteristic. Part of, part of the characteristics this place would be would be that. And, and I know it's in conjunction with our calling to the world, which is very much active. I know it's in conjunction with the, the ministry as a communications group that is very much active. I, I want to I speak a word. Um, I was sequestered out of the room, so I don't know if you mentioned this, Monica. I'm sorry I couldn't hear what you were saying because I was hidden in there. Um, but um, today is the third anniversary of the, the church in, in uh, Cabo Fria, Brazil. And um, I remember the Lord doing a miracle there four years ago. And I remember it was just so stunning that it changed that pastor and changed that congregation. And they sent their, we posted it, thank you for posting that on Facebook, but they're celebrating this weekend. And there are things all over the world, but that's part of what our mission is. But this other business of, of the, the promises of the Lord coming alive, I, I felt so strongly that the Father said, I, I have predestined this. Now, that's simple. You would know, well, if this is what's supposed to happen, of course he ordained it. He just didn't come up with the idea. But this is a predestined thing. So today we want to look at a passage that we have been in for the past couple of weeks. And it, you know, we talked last week and on Wednesday again about the spirit of adoption and how it is overcoming the spirit of, of bondage to fear. But here is, here is the original voice thunders, lightnings, earthquake. This, this, is, this is God when he was, when there wasn't anyone else but him. He had created no one else. Um, this at the foundation of the world is his fourfold progression. And I believe that we as saints are, are to that point today. And it's an honor that he would speak about this. And I want us to share this and just talk about how we appropriate this, not only for this place, but for your life. So let's look at Romans 8, verses 28 through 31. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them that are called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, that's prognosis, that's interesting, Pro, prognosis, um, that's, that's to have the knowing before anything. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And this is a beautiful thing because here again, Paul is addressing that Gnostic heresy um, and, and according to the, the spirit of bondage because conformed is a really unique word, sim, 
symorpheo, which means that God caused Jesus to be shaped into the exact pattern of sonship that he ordained. The Gnostics took that word morphe and believed that we as humans have the opportunity by tapping into all the cosmic influences to become individual gods ourselves without any accountability. And so Paul, knowing that he was basically addressing that heresy throughout all of this by giving the truth, he says that Jesus was the the ultimate example of being morphed. And it was in accordance with the image of sonship so that he could be the firstborn, the prototype, the perfect prototype among many brethren. And here is this progression. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, he justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? We're going to come back to that here at the end of the message. But let's talk about this fourfold progression. Being predestinated, and then being called, and then functioning on behalf of righteousness or righteous vision, and then accomplishing the assignment of the glory. That is God's original pattern. It's a fourfold progression. And what we would say voices, which is the beginning, which is the intercessor, he uses as predestined. Now, I'm not going to go into a philosophical discussion of what predestination is. Uh, that's been bantered about wrongfully in so many different ways in philosophy and in, in many Christian circles. And sometimes people say, well, you know, this person is predestined to not know God, and this person is predestined to, to know God, and, and predestination becomes something of the psychic realm. And, and the, the essence of it all is that predestination means that God has a plan, and every one of us is created by God according to his plan. He knew you from the foundation of the world. He knew when you would be born. He knew what he was going to place within you. And he knew how he wanted to use you. That's the essence of predestination. And so we here in this house, we're here at this time in God, in this location, which is a, a wonderful location in the spirit realm, this terio, this esteme, is phenomenal. But God, only God, could create this place knowing that you and I would be here to serve him. In all the other ways that people have served God in this church since it, uh, it uh, was moved here in the very early 50s, um, this is this is something that he and his predestination have ordained to this for this time frame. And so with that in mind, the second measure is to be called, to accept 
the calling of God. That is, that calling to know him, that calling to nacham with him, to halah with him, that calling to offer supplication and, and um, then gain the prosuke declarations and all the other types of words of partnering prayer that we know. We're called to that. We're called to the secret place of thunder through that contrition that Tammy was talking about with humility. Uh, she was saying it with humility, but she was teaching on humility. Says so it's one of those rare two-folds. Um, but uh, we, we are called. You know, we, we, have, we have a calling. Many are called. And we, we, have, to, we have to accept that calling and be, be comfortable with that calling. And, and recognize that it's, it's not about who works the hardest or who can compete the most and get the corner office or who can do, uh, you know, I, wanna, I want this position, so I'm going to beat everybody else, else out to it. That's, that's not a godly process. Yes, we should be the best that we should be, but we recognize that God made you and me, and he made this house to serve particular functions. And we must, we must um, come to a point where we are, um, we're serving him in conjunction simply with what he created us to be and what he created us to do. And that's a hard thing for some folks. You know, that's, that's what the enemy attacks over and over again. I, I, we've seen it over the years, haven't we? Well, I just don't feel like I'm being acknowledged. You know, I, I'm not getting the words. Of why does the pastor get these apostolic words? And I'm not getting them. I need to bust off on my own so I can get some. Those kinds of things. Well, we don't like the fact that these people over here, they see things all the time. Well, I don't see something. And so something's wrong. God doesn't love me. You've heard the same things. Are you, maybe some of you have felt them. I know I've felt them at times. And it's, it's all about what is that to thee. But it's that point of accepting the calling of the Lord. And you say, well, what if, what if, uh, what if as I'm serving, what if, uh, am I reliant on, on people to make sure my calling comes into being? Listen, we got to where we are in the Lord, not because anybody put us here. Every open door, every, every new nation, every new pocket of saints, every new church, and there are many around the world, it was totally God. It wasn't a missions board appointing us to serve the indigenous peoples of this land. It was God. We just keep praying. We remain faithful. And it's God that gives the increase. And a man's gift will place him before kings, as Scripture says. And I'm sure it works for women, too. And so, just joking, just joking there. But you be faithful just to be what you're supposed to be. Be the best that you're supposed to be, whether anybody else in the natural knows about it or not. And, you know, you realize that God who predestined this recognized you'd be facing this. It's not like somehow you slipped through the cracks of his predestination agenda. 
He knows exactly where you are. And in fact, some of the things that you face in regard to that in the natural are things that he knows you need to overcome so you can grow into the new. So he predestined and he called. Now, in heaven, that secret place of thunder we recognize is where that voice is thunders that second place is so when god created this whole thing he also created that place where you can know him and you can only come there by your willingness and your contrition that convection principle which we haven't taught that fourfold in a long time but we've been living it hopefully and god created that place it's his secret place of thunder where you become empowered and impressed by his burden for what he's called you to be not somebody else's calling your calling and even the famous story that we've heard <clears throat> catherine coolman and others say and i believe it i believe it well, you know, God told me that he really wanted somebody else to do this, but he gave it to me. What does that mean? Do you know the same thing could be said of David? God really called another man, but he gave it to me. Do you think it was not God's purpose that David be king? The, the, the tabernacle of David for the Gentile church? Of course it was. Does it mean he didn't love Saul? Of course it doesn't. But you need to be recognizing that that place of thunder is for you to be impacted at that secret location by his throne with God at the right hand, but in a really unique place. See, that's the beauty. I don't want to get too far off track because I know it's, it's a bit late. We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. But the... Uh, the right hand of God is the heart of faith. We know that. That's in the Old Testament. The right hand was belief and faith. Amon. So we recognize Jesus going to the right hand of the Father and sitting there and, and establishing the esteme there. That is a wonderful place of faith. It's from Old Testament into the New. It was functioning that way before Jesus gave himself. Hence, and if it wasn't, then God was really confused when he said it to Moses and when he said it to Abraham and when he said it to other people. But with that, though, there's also a secret place of thunder that the Scripture speaks about. And it's, it's not the general place of faith even as wonderful, as powerful as that is. Because all of us need to have a personal point of contact that's beyond the norm. God wants that personal place with each of you. And it, it's not you just coming in a crowd with all the angels and, you know, oh, we're up there. Oh, wonderful. How wonderful. As wonderful as that is, you have to have that place of the divine appointment. And that's what this thunder the secret place of thunder is. And, and that's the second point. But then he also justified the place of lightning, the place of you being the arrow targeted for God. And this justify is, is vision, basically. But it's not just seeing and then understanding the vision and then doing it. It is you becoming the vision. It is you recognizing that this is what the Father wants from me, and, and I'm, going to, I'm going to embody this so that I can be that good and faithful servant 
that I can demonstrate him in honor with the imprint of God, that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That vision, this is what Jesus was speaking about when he said, whatever I see my Father do, that I do. It was that measure of fulfilling that. Now, Satan fell as lightning. He had galvanized his own vision, and he had recruited his own followers. And at the point where he was ready to mobilize that, Jesus said, I saw him fall as lightning. And the enemy, uh, Hillel, was that one. Lucifer was that one who, who was a specialist at taking what God wanted in the halal, that praise forward, and bringing it about, orchestrating it to fulfillment. Well, the enemy almost got to that point of his rebellious desire. God let him do that, and then he fell. But for us, we, as we recognize that God has predestined what we are and the place we are and where we'll be going, we accept that calling and we press into that place to, to partner with him as an intercessor and as a willing uh, individual who will serve sons, saints, and then God begins to shape the vision. And the ultimate is that his glory will be fulfilled. Note the glory is at the end, just as it was with Moses. When God hid Moses in the cleft of the rock under the covering of his hand, and he said, you're not going to be able to counsel me in my glory. You're not going to be able to tell me what I'm supposed to be doing, which we as humans have a tendency to try to do. But I'm going to pass by, and then you'll see my glory as it has passed. You will recognize what you've been partnering with in that secret hidden place in partnership with my hand. You'll see what I've done. You'll experiencing it, but you'll see it and be able to, to really uh, express the beauty of it as it's, it's been accomplished, because the glory is God doing something that he has ordained to do that has not been done, and somebody representing, being willing to say, yes, Lord, here am I. I will represent as your ambassador, as your messenger, that glory. So here you have God predestined, called, justified, and glorified. And it's, it's in conjunction with this adoption of sons which is what it's just talked about. And, and uh, it's, it's our privilege. And I believe that we're at a point right now in the timetable of God that he, he's been training you in each one of these facets. You realize that. You have been serving him. You have been learning in his word what each of these things mean. You know, what I've just talked about should not be new to any of you. It's, it's decades-old teaching, meat that God has given. It is still precious and largely unknown, but it's, it's what God's Word has said, and God has been training you and using you throughout every part of this process. And now he comes to this time, this transitional moment, and he begins to talk about us, about the adoption of sons, the spirit of adoption. He begins to talk about how it is the it is the, the agenda of the throne that this entire Gnostic and, and uh, progressive heresy that's sweeping across the world in so many levels would try to snuff out. And it is, it is aggressive, and it's big, and it's, 
It's compelling. It's got, it is a spirit of bondage. It is an anointing of the demonic. But God is opening up all of these facets for us to see because we've been faithful in the smaller things, because he's taught us point by point, because we can look at these things and, and, and know that's what this means from the word. That's what this means. That's what this means. And, and God is bringing the culminative effort of that experience with his teaching to this point so that he can ignite it. That's the way God moves. You were predestined for this hour. You were, you were predestined in the heart of God for this moment. And this place that is so alive in the Spirit, you know it is. It's a rare place. People from around the world come here just to be here. We don't try to make it into some spooky thing. You're not advertising it out front with a batter. Come in and dip in the pool. You know, we're not doing any of that. This is a precious place. But God has ordained it, and the things that he has promised over the years are going to happen, and I believe they're going to begin to happen soon. And, and so, before we go into the, if God be for us, who can be against us, and what that means in this, it's not Paul saying, yippee, it's, it's, it has meaning for what we've just talked about. When we come to pray and when you begin to pray uh, about this, I would encourage you to gather the things that you've seen in the Spirit and give thanks to the Lord for it and call it forth for this house in the power of the cross and in the power of, of his timing. He's knocking. We need to open the door. We talked about the gates and the doors. We need to open them and be representative. With thanksgiving, we need to be saying, thank you, Lord. I believe it's your time. Now, I don't know what the first example of this is going to be, and I don't know how it's going to cascade. We've seen incredible things in vision and in dreams. But all I know is that the word is now, as Les was saying, the prophet needs to just obey and do what they're supposed to do and not get ahead of God and do something else. You know, that was a well-timed uh, word, uh, and it was one of those halah passages. But um, I think that for now, we just need to say, Lord, you've asked us to come and welcome this. It's what you've predestined. It's not because, oh, hey, wouldn't it be neat if this happened? God has how many visions, how many dreams, how many words has he said over the years, this is what I'm going to do. And we've been blessed in this place. We've been blessed. We've, we've seen God move. We know this is an active tributary, a, a, a port of great importance, a great deposit here uh, for the glory of the Lord upon this earth. But there's something more that God's going to begin to do in this lighthouse. There's something more that God's going to do in this connection between the river of life. There's something more. And all, all we're being told to do is to recognize that he, he did predestinate this. He wasn't just blowing smoke when he was saying these things and sharing these visions and dreams. But we need to ask. We need to thank him, and we need to ask, and we need to welcome him. 
And that's what we need to do. So I love this verse. Uh, what shall we say then to these things? What things? Well, the things we've just been talking about. What, what, we, what can we say about it? Because Paul has said a lot. He's talked about, again, the spirit of adoption. He's talked about crying, Abba, Father. He's talked about all these magnificent things. What do we say to these things? If God be for us, who is against us? Now, what do those two terms mean? Well, for is pretty easy because that's hyper, hooper, hyper, hooper, hyper. If you remember the Y and the U, you can say it either way. But when something is hooper, that means it's over and above. If it's hyper, that means it's energized and it's moving. If, if God is moving, then we need to accept what he's saying. It says, who can be against us? This against is kata, K-A-T-A. It's used as a preposition in a lot of words. We've talked about it. It means with or, or, or for, but it means something deeper. It, it always means something that is apportioned from above and brought down. It, there was the, it was the aspect of the divine. That something was ordained and it was released. And so you make way for it. And so, yes, it's with, yes, it's for, but it's, it's much broader and much deeper than that. And I, I give you an assignment to look in your Bible programs, not right now, but look in your Bible programs and see where that word kata is used. And it's used in incredible places. I'm just going to touch on a few of them. Every one of Joseph's dreams in the New Testament was a, the dream was a kata dream. It was from God, and Joseph needed to make way for it. Mary, according to thy word, according is kata. She said to Gabriel, according to your word, so be it unto me. She recognized that this was from above, and every other thing had to make way for it. Um, I love Romans 1.4. It says, oh, uh, and you know, you can find this a couple of times in the Zacharias story where Gabriel was meeting with him. And um, uh, once Zacharias says, you know, I don't know if I can f function in a kata with this because I'm old. My wife's older than me. And so that's what ticked Gabriel off. And I think it's pretty obvious that he was not really happy about the thing. But Gabriel was giving a word that was going to circumvent every other thing in that man's life. That man had prayed in supplication for this, and finally it arrived. So we're not going to dilly-dally or bicker with it. There it is. Romans 1.4 says that Jesus was declared to be the Son of God with power according, kata, the spirit of holiness that Jesus depicted the spirit of holiness. This, this year of the spirit of holiness, that Jesus received that. <laughs> he functioned in that. And I think that's just incredible. You know, when Jesus went apart to pray, it wasn't, man, I've just had it with these guys. I've got to get before the throne. I've got to have some prayer time. Apart was kata. It was an assignment from God. The, the Father would... Jesus loved to pray, but when that came, it wasn't that 
doing the Southwest Airlines want to get away. He probably did, I'm sure. But it was a divine urging. He went apart. That kata, God was summoning him, and he went. That is significant. Um, you know that the Scripture says, whoever is not against us is for us against is kata, which, which means this. We've got to treasure what we have. And if people want to come alongside, we welcome them. But you've got to know who you are, who you predestined to be. Are you just an equal op opportunity predestiner? You just dabble in this and dabble in that, dabble in this, and, oh, this is happening. Look at them. I want that. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's that measure of knowing that God has given this to us and we bless other places. I don't mean that you shouldn't be aware, but know what God has given you and be that. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Don't let that person expect to receive anything from God. This is very interesting. It says, words against the Holy Ghost will not be forgiven. So if the Holy Spirit is, has given you a mandate, a mission, and there is something that arises that comes down from the demonic that would be opposed to that, that that's not just complaining about the Holy Ghost. That's accepting some other mission. And that is a dangerous zone to be in. We, we, cannot, we cannot have that. In fact, Jesus spoke about a kingdom divided against itself. Kata, which means that there was... If the enemy were to accept another mission other than the demonic mission that was being declared, that it, it would divide. It would just be totally uh, obliterated. So there's something about recognizing that type of moment and that kind of calling. If, if God be for us, there is no other alternative. Why, why would there be? We go forward with God. We don't look for any other thing. We go forward with God. Jesus said to the blind man, according to your faith, be it unto you. And he used kata, according. He said, you have, you have obviously sensed that this is your answer, and you've acted in faith. And so let it be unto you because of that. Do you think that we can, according to our faith, we can believe for the miracles that God has promised? Do you think that we can say God has said this and, and it is a word from him for the now that we, we say open, we say, yes, Lord, let it be. We're not going to advise you as to how to do it. We're, we're just asking and we're laying claim to what you said. You have premeditated to do this according that word from above, your faith, what we believed at the right hand, so be it to us. Paul, the apostle, ministered according, kata, the grace that was given to him from above. The parable of the talents, it says that, that, that the talents were given according to the several abilities, to the idios um, um, dunamis those individuals had, but that they were divine impartations. And you can't you can't deny them. You be faithful with those, and God will multiply that. And then um, there are so many of these. Look through them because it, 
looking at that, that definition really adds a flavor to so many of the scriptures that have been amazing for us. But the 1 Corinthians 14 is, is filled with these. It speaks, says that when unknown tongues are given in a setting, it is kata. It says that when prophecy, verse 31 of 1 Corinthians 14, when prophecy comes, when true prophecy comes, it's a kata. It says that all things should be done decently and, and in kata order. What does that mean? For when I was growing up, that just means don't, don't be raucous. Don't, don't do something that will upset the, the visitors. You know, you, you've got to do it in order. But then I realized that the word for order is, is the, where we get our word taxi from. And if you go over into Europe particularly and you see taxi stands outside any of the train stations or outside of the airport, Charles de Gaulle, or if you go into, into Brussels and you see the taxi stands, it looks like chaos, but it's all in order. Those taxis are called taxis because they are in a line and they take you from this point to where you need to go in a line. And so when God says in order, it doesn't mean it's just going to be peachy and keeny with a plastic cover on it so nobody gets the sofa dirty. It's going to be, nobody does that nowadays, do they? <laughs> that was that was fact from the, maybe you do, I don't know. But anyway, but when God does things, he's going to do it, and it may be multiple uh, dimensions of what he's going to do, but it's all going to be in alignment with what he has. And I really, I really love, the, if you look at the Ephesians 1, uh, the whole book of Ephesians, it's like a, a kata fest, because Paul, throughout that book, is just pegging tremendous things to those warriors in Ephesus, and every one of them is a kata moment. But I love Ephesians 1, and we're going to close with this. Um, Ephesians 1, 5. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according, kata, to the pleasure of his goodwill. And verse 7 of that chapter 1. Kata, uh, with the riches of his grace. Verse 9. Kata, with the mystery of his will. Kata, verse 11, regarding our inheritance so that we can fulfill, kata, the good measure of his will. And, and over and over it goes. And to those folks who were so regimented, they recognized those, that was kind of like a paga moment. And, and it's, it's just phenomenal. And the last thing I'll say about this is that if God be for us, who can be against us? Hyper and kata was used in, together in one other prominent place when Paul taught. It was 2 Corinthians 13, verses 7 and 8. Now I pray to God that you do no evil, nor that we should appear approved, but that you should do that which is honest, though we be as reprobates. For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. And what, what he was really saying is that in regard to the truth, God's truth comes to us, and we can do 
We must do nothing other than it. And when we receive his truth, we are hyper for it. Paul uses this unique thing. If God be for us, who can be against us? He uses it rarely again here. And it's about the truth. And in this day where we're living in, have you ever seen such a battleground for what the truth is? Oh, the truth is everywhere. Oh, it's your truth. And over and over again, as if truth is some kind of preference of the day, some preferred flavor of the day. But here Paul says that there's only one truth, and we've received it and are receiving it in kata fashion. And so in regard to that truth, we must be hyper regarding it. We must pursue it with all that we are and apply it with all we are because that's the way the spirit of truth guides us into those things that God has hidden from the foundation of the world but now is being made unhidden, and that's what truth is, aletheia, and we go after it. And at a time where God's truths are just bursting on the scene, you see that the enemy has come in with his nonsense about other truths. And if God is for us, pity those that come with those other truths or so-called truths. So this is a rich thing. I encourage you to just, it's fun, just pull it up. Pull up kata and know that it's something that is from above that comes and makes its place that every other thing has to submit to. And if you see that as a preposition in any of the other Greek terms that you know, remember now to add that God is specifically ordaining that thing in the places that you see that combinative term in the New Testament. But look those up. It'd be a good study for you the next few days. There are a lot of them, and they are, they are linked with PowerPoints recognizing the moment of God, that God has sent something, and it's something that we have to hold on to. So for this house, and notice the air conditioner just decided to be silent so that I could, I could speak in a whisper. You're an idiot. <laughs> um, I can speak this very clearly. Well, this isn't much of an altar appeal, is it, Tammy? How, how, how can I ask you to go to the organ when I'm joking around like this? I'm happy about this because, boy, we've waited. We've, we, we've enjoyed the Lord. He's wonderful here. The stories and the experiences that we've and, uh, just been thrilled by, the access points, the way God has been using us. But yet and still, as they say in many churches, we recognize that what this house is, what this terio hestemi point in the spirit realm is, holds promises and powerpoints like it was for Philip when he went and he preached and, and the, the miracles that came in that hestemi, the wonderful things that came. So many of those wonderful places this is one of the most wonderful places that we could have been assigned to. And we've barely begun to see the power that God has ordained for the days that are ahead. And so we need to come 
I believe this is a divine moment to come and just thank the Lord for placing you and me here. Thank him for all the wonderful things that he's done in, in, in our lives and allowing us to access him and the angelic and so many of the ways that God has moved in this house. But now begin to say, Lord, you've predestined something. And so we call upon you. And we ask that your vision would be mightily shown here, that your glory will be known in a way that far super, supersedes, surpasses what you have shown in the past. We ask you, according to our faith, let it be. But it's because you have ordained this from the foundation of the world. So, that's our mission. We ask that you pray about it every day and give thanks to the Lord. Just give thanks to him. Praise him for what he's said he's going to do and what this place means. Just enjoy his presence here, but welcome what he has ordained to open up. And just expect. And we come this coming Wednesday at 6 to pray. Let's come expectant. You can come. You don't have to wait till Wednesday. You all have access. You can come here anytime and pray and welcome. Welcome what God's wanting to do. This place is shaking. There's something new that God is about to reveal. And I'm very grateful for it. Maybe this is the true meaning of the, of the transitional moment. And so, Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for preserving us. It's only by your grace. It's only by your covering us that we're all still here. And we thank you, Father, for being faithful to your word and your promise. Thank you for the placement in this house on behalf of the mission that you've given to us in this congregation. Thank you for the wonderful saints that are standing in places of import that you have called them to stand in, and thank you for that alignment. But, Father, we come as saints throughout the world, and we say, even so, come quickly, Lord. What it is that you want to do, let it be done. We ask, according to our faith, let it be. You have predestined this. You have called us. You are showing your righteous vision, and you are going to fulfill your glory. Thank you for this, Father. And I ask you, Lord, that you would visit each person, whether in this house or wherever you may be joining us. Visit us. Let us welcome you into a point of commune that you have ordained. And let us... Be what we're supposed to be as intercessors in response to this invitation. I bless. I send forth your healing touch. I send forth your provision. 
I send forth your encouragement. I send forth your strength. I send forth every measure of the good and perfect gifts that comes from our Father above. And I bless the saints. Thank you for your wonderful, wonderful partnership, Father. We love you and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you all. Thank you. Expect great things. Amen.